you going, mate? Good, good. Ready for another week? Ready for another week. I've got a particularly office corporate idea for you today. Do it. Hit me. <laughs> you sound enthused. So, have you ever been sitting at work in an open plan office and you're trying to focus, but you can't because over in the corner, you've got a chatty Kathy or you've got someone who's just really what I find to be just not office etiquette. And they're sitting over there having a video at their desk in an open plan office, having a video conference. Yes. Right. Or, or a phone call, right? The other one is the loud talker. Yeah. The loud talker. And you're just talking. To, and hey, I'm a culprit of this. I'm definitely that guy. I'm definitely the loud guy for, for sure. Right. But it's just, you can't concentrate. You, you've got to do some deep work and you can't because you're in an open plan office. There's no meeting rooms. It's just, it's a mess. It's a common problem, I think. So, I'd like to introduce you to the cone of office silence. Okay. What it is, you sit at your desk and it's a retractable from the ceiling, a cone, a glass sort of cone that drops down and puts you into a cone of silence, completely soundproof from the outside and allows you to still be in like, you know, the office aesthetic, it all looks nice, but you don't hear the outside of, of the office and allows you to work sort of autonomously in an open plan sort of shared desk environment. So, you're talking about the physical cone that drops down like they do, is it the Jetsons or the cartoons where, where the actual physical cone comes down over them? Is that what you're thinking? Is that a thing? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's in cartoons. I don't know if it's a real thing. I, I didn't even, yeah, I guess so. I haven't seen that cartoon, but I mean, it sounds like, you know, a lot of things do come from sort of cartoons and science fiction. So maybe, yeah, this is, this sounds exactly like that. So basically, you know, what key problems is this solving? It's solving noise reduction, right? And just basically allows you to concentrate at work. Let's just jump straight into the desirability. Do people want it? Well, I just did a quick sort of scan, tried to understand how big this market could be. And if we look at the UK, for example, the total workforce in the UK is about 33 million workers. The source for this, which is sort of government, the sort of ABS of the UK, which is 8.25 million office workers in the UK. So let's assume 70% of these are in open plan. I think that's sort of reasonable these days because most would be working for large organizations or in you know shared working spaces like a WeWork or something like that. So that's about 5.7 million people who need this, right? And this is not that many desks. So they wouldn't need that many, but you can sort of see how big the sort of space is, the, the market in the UK. In Australia is about 20% work from, you know, operated offices. And this is straight from ABS. So there's about 2.6 million office workers. And if we look at 70% of that, we get to about 1.82 million people. So in both markets, you know, here in London and over there in Australia, I think it's definitely large enough for something to pursue, right? And it has like validity and, and you know, there's enough people that would be experiencing this pain point. Yeah, so I think there is... Obviously, there's a lot of workers, but I imagine your market is not the individual worker. It's the business, right? Because if I work in an open plan office, I can't go out and buy one of these things myself and have it installed in the roof above where my desk is. Like It would have to be selling to the business so well, that they're installing it. That's you know, for Well, Dan, that's where the market gets bigger, remote workers. So most people are hybrid these days, right? So the other market is at home. So you get this installed at your home office. So you don't need to hear, you know, the the kids in the background or, you know, your partner making dinner or whatever it is, you can have a silent meeting and really concentrate and lock down at home as well. Okay. All right. I'm not fully so, Jack. Keep, keep going. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know how uh, your, I don't know how your partner would feel about that. I think she would think it's weird that I've got- I don't know, I don't know how, how I mean, that would go from a relationship perspective. No. Well, I mean, if it's for a meeting, yeah. you know, if <clears throat> I'm in my office and I've got the weird glass cone of silence around me, she, she might go, okay, well, 
He's in a meeting. I can't talk to him. Actually, that might help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just use it for just like video games or something. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the signal to say, don't bother me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it allows you to concentrate, right? And I think I've noticed like a bit of a trend for like, you know, workforce, knowledge, work, productivity tools. So like physical tools. Like I think I, I saw some startup where someone was doing like a time box thing where you lock your phone in and, you know, to concentrate at work so you don't check your phone or so forth. And once you do 30 minutes of deep work, it unlocks or, you know, and it's connected to the computer and, and I've seen the startup. So I think it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a mega trend that's it's coming. It's, it's here. The one thing I wanted to add, which is a similar product, are those phone booths. We've got them in our office and I've seen them around. So it's literally kind of the size and shape of a phone booth, but it's obviously a, a small soundproof air-conditioned uh, room with a, a tiny desk. So enough to obviously put your, your laptop on. It's got charging facilities. It's got USB yeah, and it's just it's kind of what you're talking about. It is effectively a cone of silence. You can you can basically have a row of them within an office, and it's brought in on like a sack truck and just put in place. So it, it kind of does the same thing, and it's becoming more of a trend because you're right in open plan. You can't talk just in the open plan office, or if you do, you're annoying to everyone else, which some people just obviously don't care about. But <laughs> you can't find a meeting room. So these little things they don't take up a lot of room. So you're right. I think the trend is definitely there. It's a way to kind of solve. You know, open plan was meant to be the better option, but a lot of people can't concentrate and there's there's numbers around that and so this is almost solving the problem that was solving another problem yeah and i I think the interesting challenge it solves it's not like it's not ugly so it's like this you know aesthetically pleasing thing that fits the the design is aesthetically pleasing it fits the office sort of vibe also i just want to build in this quickly quick tangent i've always had this thought about those office booths you know those bureau booth or whatever you've got in in the offices and i've always had a a thought about those like as someone who's been traveling through and needed offices and traveling through europe and and traveling around being a sort of digital nomad and for that sort of market, I've always thought in my head, in the back of my head, why don't they just have those booths like in parks and stuff free to use? Like councils should put them in parks and, you know, along the street for anyone just to walk up if you need to have a meeting on the move. It's just, just a random thought. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, the, the question there is how many how many people are randomly walking through a park with a laptop looking for somewhere to have a meeting? I don't know. I've, I've been yeah, in this situation. Right. So. <laughs> so there's one yeah. at least. Um, so... Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. One, uh, jump into the feasibility. So I think the technical aspects, you know, the installation of it, the design are really key here. Uh, like I mentioned, the design, it looks good. I mean, installing it would be a bit of an issue and it's quite a challenge. But once you install it, I'm also envisioning it's retractable. So it, you know, it goes like, and like goes up to the ceiling. So it can go up and down. Like those hair things, you know, those hair, I don't know what they're called, but in a hairdresser and you see them, they kind of come down over the top and you get like a Marge Simpson type hairdo. Oh, yeah, that, 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 that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly like that. And yeah, I mean, you know, you'd want an industrial designer to design this and, you know, have a crack at it, I think. But, you know, the key sort of other factors from the designer, you know, have to obviously have good acoustics and it'll have to be safe. I'm envisioning glass. So that's another key sort of design. I mean, the other challenges with this, though, are ventilation. You know, it needs to have airflow and it needs because you're going to be in an enclosed space. It also needs to be able to be cleaned regularly, which is another challenge. I think it could, you know, potentially get smudged and start not looking that great but that could be a service we bolt on come in we do the cleaning we clean all your sound cones i think to cover some of those things off i think you wouldn't have it go all the way to the ground i'd envision it to be say a meter in height and probably about a meter in width as well and so as it lowers down 
it kind of covers up to say the point of where your arm chairs are mm. so the arms on your chair which sit kind of halfway on your body i suppose the thing would come down and just cover that because i don't think you need it to be fully to the ground because the way that those things work and i'm, I'm not a designer or that kind of industrial designer but i think you can get it in a way where the sound doesn't actually go out mm. e- even if there is effectively a hole in the bottom and so I think that covers your your ventilation. I think cleaning, that's pretty straightforward. You just clean it before you leave it, like anything. I think the biggest challenge you'll have here is social acceptance. Because imagine sitting in the office and you're putting this cone over you. Like To be frank, you're going to look like an idiot at the start. It's like, if it was socially acceptable, I would run everywhere. Because I think walking is too slow. Like, I would just run. <laughs> but I would look like an idiot if I'm just running everywhere, right? If I've got my backpack or I'm in a suit. Right. Same thing here. I think until it becomes acceptable, I think that would be the biggest challenge is getting people to actually use it. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. But I guess, you know, it's like B2B, man. It comes from the top. HR install them. What are you going to do? Not use it? Like you're going to annoy everyone around you? I don't know. Just install them. See what happens. I think, yeah, just in terms of business model, this could be a buy the cones outright. Could be a rental with a cleaning service on the side, especially for those businesses that don't want to outlay a upfront cost for like 200 cones or whatever. Could be a rental thing and then maybe they're portable. But yeah, I think installation of them is the biggest expense. Labor always gets you. So producer Rodney is just saying that, you know, these boots that offices have that you just go in, take a quick phone call, they're rented. There you go. That's validation. Just validating my own ideas here love it yep love it i'm not sure a subscription model or anything like that will work. i think it's it's kind of more of a, a relatively straightforward yeah buy or rent and yeah the, the fact that we rent the ones that are in office yeah it's good validation that it's there i think these are these are portable versus being installed so they're easier to kind of wheel in to take away they're more socially acceptable because i think going it's, it's effectively like a little room versus the pull down i have to say i'm not sold on this one i've seen it in the cartoons wow but i'm not sold mm. on this one <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's the design. It's the design. I think it's key. You know, um, you know, maybe it's not a cone, but it's sort of like you know, maybe it looks a bit more like a hatchback or a like car or something like that. Uh, you'd have to let the designer rip into it. If if anyone's listening and, and wants to sketch this out and you're a designer or something, please send it. I'd love to see that. Yeah, could be a helmet or something like that. Absolutely, there's definitely many options here. But yeah, so to sum it all up, sound cone. I think markets there, large offices with open plan to start or at home for remote workers. I think insulation is a big factor and design is clearly very important. And there's obviously a clear business model there. And I'll, I'll leave it on that one, Dan. Well, what have you got for me today? All right. Well, so I want to talk about um, something I did recently. I, I built a shed in the backyard. I mean, really, it's a man cave. So I had it quoted to get the whole thing done. So that's the frame, the concrete, the inside, so the flooring, the, the walls, the painting. And as you can imagine, it's fairly expensive. But for a few reasons, I decided to do it myself. So one was to save money. The second is I kind of wanted to give these things a try. You know, I'm not really, I haven't in the past been very handy. So I wanted to try this stuff. But my dad is super handy and he was helping me through the way, through the project. So when you think about a shed, there's, there's quite a few different elements. You've got the concreting, there's the frame, all the inside stuff, everything I mentioned before. But I didn't know which order to do it in. I didn't know what I needed. I didn't know where to get it from. Bunnings, the, the local kind of hardware store was the first thing that came to mind. But you know, there's, there's lots of other bits and pieces that I, I didn't know. Like, what type of screws do you need for the different um, the different bits and pieces? But like I said, dad was there and lucky because he was definitely able to help and guide through the process. 
For these medium-sized home renovation projects, I imagine it's pretty similar. So think about swimming pools, landscaping outside, new kitchens, new bathrooms. And I found that when you go to these companies, say a swimming pool company, they literally just dig the hole and put the pool in. But then there's all the other aspects around it. So then you need to do the, maybe it's concreting or, or paving or tiling around the pool. There's the landscaping. There's the electrician that might need to install a plug if you've got a heated pool, for example. There's all these extra bits that the company doesn't necessarily do. And similar with a shed, similar with all these, these areas, there's multiple elements, but they don't necessarily do all of it. So what I'm thinking here is a service that could basically match a qualified project manager with people wanting to do these DIY or, or semi-DIY projects where there's multiple elements. So in my example, effectively, my dad was the project manager. He called out places, he got some quotes, he knew where to get stuff from, he knew people in the industry. He was able to basically work out a plan of the order and the, the rough timing of, of how things would go. And so what I want is is that, but for other people, really. So it's it's almost like having the, the the handy super handy dad to help guide you through these these multiple element multi element projects. Wait, what's your dad's name? Fulvio. Fulvio. Yeah. Fulvio as a service. <laughs> Wait, you reckon? All right, I'll put it to him. See what he says. So what what I'm thinking? I mean, it's a relatively straightforward matching service or a you know a platform. But on the project manager side, so you, you'd want people who are potentially retired. Um, with trade qualifications and want to make a bit of extra money. So someone like an ex-building inspector who's probably used to kind of coordinating those multiple services or multiple tradies. On the customer side, you know, obviously people would submit their project and then there's, you know, all the tagging and other things that help match the project manager with that particular project. And I'm thinking you've got three different levels. So level one could just be step-by-step instructions. So it's it's pre-made instructions. It's like, all right, I want to build a shed and we send you a PDF or a, an ebook or, or a video, whatever it is, that literally lists all the steps in order. It gives you a generic guide in terms of timing, in terms of costs and things like that. Then you go to level two which could be project advice. So this one here is where you have the actual person, the project manager. And what they really do is they just outline approximate things. So they'll outline an approximate order or the order of how to do things, rough timeframes, rough costs, and things like that. So the customer in that case still needs to coordinate all the tradies. They still need to go and buy the materials. They still need to do all the work themselves. Really, they're just getting a plan basically. And then the level above that, the top level, I suppose, is to have a full project manager. So they do everything from level two so they provide all those plans but then they go a step further they also then might call and get three quotes they might actually coordinate the tradies and organize all the equipment they might buy the materials and have it delivered so you basically get a project manager who is doing all the different elements and each each three you know, it depends how involved you want to be i suppose and there's elements of having it fully done by tradies but coordinating it yourself versus a mix of the full other end is just literally doing everything yourself. And the example with my shed is uh, with the concrete. I couldn't do the concrete because I needed quite a big area to be done. So that's one thing that I need to outsource. The frame of the shed, I also got outsourced, but we did everything else effectively. We did the insulation, the the walls, the flooring, the cornices, the paint. Like we did everything else ourselves. So that was kind of a semi-DIY. Wow, yeah. 
no, that's, that's, I mean, it sounds like a great project. I love a project. Uh, when you first said to me, you know, this virtual project manager as a service, this is not what I was thinking, if I'm honest. I like where you're going with this. So is your business the platform to connect? Are you the two-sided marketplace or are you, so you're connecting people. Okay. So you're connecting people to project managers on a subscription sort of thing. I mean, when you first said virtual sort of thing, it's, I didn't really know what to envision. I thought maybe you were just talking about the plans and it was like an AI sort of virtual online thing that just does all the plan. I want to build a pool in my backyard, upload a photo of your backyard and it, and it literally, you know, puts in a, a photo of a, it puts in like a, a literally what a pool would look like. And then, you know, all this sort of stuff and gives you the dimensions and, and everything that you need to do and then writes a list and then boom, and then gives you instructions. I mean, could almost be done by AI. Uh, there's elements, you're right, that could be done by AI. I mean, you're probably talking about the step around designing and getting all the measurements and you do need that. That's important. And yeah, maybe that is part of it because I think to be able to provide the advice, you obviously need to be able to see the area. And the virtual part of it was that the project manager or you know whether it's level one, two or three, you don't need to physically be on site. It could just all be done virtually. And so you could have somebody in Adelaide doing some a, a project in Queensland, for example. So that was the virtual part of it. But I do like how can we bring AI into this? So whether it's for design, it could do some of these steps. I mean, the project advice potentially could be done. So you were talking about generic plans. I think though you want the human touch because every project is going to be slightly different mm. and the AI tool isn't going to know, even if you upload a photo, is, is it going to be able to visualize everything and, and give you your plan in context of your specific project or area i totally agree with you yeah i like the idea of the marketplace and you definitely need that human touch like these projects i think it's just we live i mean in such a world now where you can literally find these people and they come and build you the triple point of swimming pool or a shed and you know they they know so much like tradies they know so much stuff if you know nothing about it like me like I'd, do you know what I mean? I, I rely on these people so much and you pay them whatever. Like take my money because like I have no idea. It is like these things, are, you know, the thing about these things is they're typically quite custom. It's always personalized. Yeah. Always. And that's the that's the difference between it's not something that's just like the same every time. It's, it's personalized. It's always going to be a different job, a different thing. Like, I mean, some sort of things that would be the same, but it's sort of, I think that's just like a really interesting thing about trade. Yeah. So two things. I think your point about just get someone to do it. So I'm happy to pay someone to just do it. I think that's a generational thing. Like the boom generation it's about being proud of being able to do the work yourself and I, I probably sit somewhere in the middle there are some things that I will just pay someone to do because it's easier there are other things that I want to give a try myself because once it's done you can kind of be proud that you've you've done it yourself and the second thing I want to say is you're right tradies do know a lot but an electrician isn't necessarily going to know about landscaping and so if you've got these projects which have these multiple elements one tradie isn't going to know everything and that's where this project coordinate I mean it's just it's effectively kind of a master tradie or project manager that then subcontracts out I mean it, it's not a new concept per se but I think doing it for these small to medium home renovation DIY type projects that's where it's different because when you look online and in Australia, Hypages is the biggest company for this kind of marketplace, but it is very much about the individual trading. And so hiring a trading for a specific individual job. So I need an electrician, I'll go find an electrician. Whereas this is more about that coordination of those different tradies. And in talking about the market yeah, side. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, so just quickly, I just, I think, um, yeah, to your point about high pages, I think that's definitely for like, yeah, more direct tradies. But I actually, I've been at someone's house. They live in this beautiful, beautiful house in Colton. I walked in, I was like, oh my God, it's so modern, you know, wooden staircase. They've got, it's all set up like, you know, brilliant. Yeah, down in Colton there. And I asked them like, what happened? They're like, oh, we literally lived in basically like this. We had wires 
fires everywhere. And for like five years, they were living in this place that was just basically not built. And then I think someone, their brother or something came in and said, right, I'm sick of this. And basically they did every single job through Airtasker. Yeah. So they hired people in Airtasker and said, I need someone to come and build this, the slats on the stairs. I need someone to come and mount all the TVs on the wall. I need someone to come and put the tiling down in the bathroom. And like they did the whole thing through Airtasker. I just thought that was an interesting one. Yeah. And you could do it, but again, the individual tasks and you could do it all through Airtasker, through high pages where there's the individual tasks. And I think this is different in terms of that coordination. Yeah. I would just keep going for the interest of time, but market size, it's pretty big. Obviously during COVID renovations grew hugely. It was an extra 25% in the market. So it was 9 billion before, but now it went up to 11.7 billion at the height of COVID. So it's absolutely gone up. Obviously people weren't traveling, they weren't buying houses. So they had to spend their money somehow. And if they were going to be living at home, you know, or locked in at home for an extended period of time, make the home look good. For the customer, obviously it saves them time from having to do all the research themselves, saves them money because I saved probably about 55, 60% or it cost me 55, 60% of the cost having someone else do the whole thing. So, you know, saving that money. And then, like I said before, there's that sense of pride. Wow. There's a lot of savings. That is just incredible. That's, yeah, that really speaks to the value there. Sorry. That was just, yeah, that was surprising. No, that's right. So yeah, I I think from a desirability standpoint, the market size is huge and it's not going to go away. There will always be renovations. And I think from the customer saving them time and money and giving them the guide to do it themselves can also lead towards that pride of having, having done it yourself. From a feasibility standpoint, you know, I think building a platform relatively straightforward. I mean, I'm not saying it's easy to build a, a marketplace type platform, but you know, it is relatively straightforward. So obviously allowing the builder or the the project manager to create and manage profiles. Obviously, you can submit and accept jobs, facilitate payment, communicate, you know, do all that through the platform. I think the challenging part is recruiting on both sides, you know, as per usual, but on the project manager side, it's making sure they've got the appropriate qualifications, licensing, insurance. They're not actually conducting the work though. So they may not need like that, the licensing and the insurance might not be as much of an issue, but that's something that needs to be looked into. For the bigger projects, things like council or city approval. So you're putting up say a shed or a veranda, you need to get that approval. So it does the project manager do that on behalf of the customer? Does the customer do it? And then I think another interesting thing is on that level three, where the project manager makes the calls and does all the organizing, there's the potential to actually either provide, and I think you have to do it through the company, through the platform, provide like a line of credit so that the project manager actually pays for everything. And at the end of the job, the customer receives a single invoice and it can be itemized. But again, talking about that simplification, it's just like, here is your single bill. Here's for transparency. Here's what everything costs individually, but you've just got a single bill. And I think the risk there though is them not paying. So job's done. There's ways around it. Deposits, you know, you could put an estimated sum of money into a holding account. And then when the job's done, it kind of gets dispersed, kind of like a conveyancer does when you buy a house. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. I really like tier three. It's definitely the most attractive one that you're talking about there, the full the full service. And I want to expand on your idea a little bit. It's almost like having a full-on personal assistant, right? Because I was just thinking about like, this is like something that you need, you know, to project. I need a project manager for different areas of my life. You know, you need, I want my personal assistant or like, you know, it's like having like a, almost like someone at home, like a maid or, or whatever there, and they do your cooking and you're cleaning, right? But then it's like you have your project manager that's organizing or your, your PA at work, right? 
they respond to all your emails or, or you know and do all that sort of thing right but then there's another level which i've always thought about this business which is quite taking the model from you which is almost like i, I want someone to constantly look after all my bills right like i want them to call the internet company and you know make sure i'm getting the best deal and call someone else and constantly change that like pay my phone bill communicate with electricity water you know do all these like all those like sort of life admin tasks but it's like a project manager someone that you can just tell like and text and, and be like yeah like do this do that sort of thing that i think already exists i mean you can you can get virtual assistants now which are i know the vas are probably more lean towards business type assisting but you can get personal assistants as well yeah I, I don't know where from but i have heard of of people who do that so they, they yeah they might go out and do the shopping or the groceries they pay the bills they take care of yeah life admin basically yeah and that, that's why i thought yours was very innovative it's like almost taking that premise but like applying it to a very you know, specific thing, which is project management of building and trades. I think it's it's quite brilliant. It's quite brilliant. I was just trying to think of another use case in my head, but I'm not sure. Maybe organizing. It's almost like a travel agent as well, sort of similar. I don't think the concept is necessarily that new. I mean, events, you know, a wedding, it's the same kind of thing. You know, you've got one person coordinating the whole thing. So I, I don't think it's necessarily that new, but I think with the tradey concept, I found a problem when I was going through this myself and I know others have as well. And that's kind of why I thought this might be a solution. I might just finish on the uh, the viability and the business model. So I think it's, again, pretty straightforward. I think an hourly rate based on um, which level you're going for. In level three, if the project manager were paying for all of that and invoicing later, you could take a cut of the actual project cost as well, as well as like a time basis for that project manager. And then I think for even for level one, where you've got those step-by-step instructions all throughout, you know, where we could include um, affiliate or referral links. So it could be uh, those links to other tradies. So if you're doing the step-by-step, it might say, all right, at this point, you need to contact a concreter. You know, here are three links that you might want to click on and investigate. And so you might have that referral link fee there. And similarly for that first level, if it was, okay, here's the steps. If you want to do it yourself, these are all the materials that you need to buy. And again, it might link off to a hardware store, for example. So I think potential for passive ongoing revenue for those affiliate and referral links. And then down the track, you could add other options, insurance or finance and this, you know, other add-on type services I think you could add to. So that's it. That's the idea. I love it. Full view over service. It's brilliant. And I think, yeah, solving key problem. And I've definitely experienced this as well, looking at renovating a kitchen in Adelaide there. And I was just like, it was just too much effort. Do you know what I mean? I just gave up. Now I'll just deal with what I've got because it was just, I couldn't work it out and I didn't want to pay someone to just come and do it all. So I think it's definitely a need that is in demand and needs to be filled. And yeah, I mean, it almost ties into like, there's a lot of markets for this, like landlords as well as homeowners. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not just like the homeowner, it's the landlord, the tenants pushing them, you know, this place is, you know, the place I'm living in is rubbish, especially here in London. There's a massive, massive housing crisis. Like, it's like people are living in like literally abandoned buildings. Like they have full on squatters rights here. Like it's like it's like if you just like move into a place, you can live there. It's crazy. No, that's right. But the the housing crisis, maybe that's something we can uh, tackle in a in a future series or something. Yeah, I think we definitely should have a look at that. Some key problems in housing crisis. All right, sounds good. I think we're done. All right, see you then.